Welcome to another edition of Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I'm your host, Rob, Senior Editor for Mash Those Buttons, and I'm here with contributor Nick Zelenkevich. Hello, how's everybody doing? And contributor Mikey Kinney. Brains. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mikey's been sick with the bath salts zombie flu. See, I, I, I was just hoping he was excited about Walking Dead Part 2 next week. Oh, uh, is it finally out of- hitting? I've been like I've been up so upset with that game because I've been like waiting for episode two for so long that I've just like quit looking like I have not been paying attention that much. Well, now your prayers will be answered. Cool. Uh, I mean, that I'll write up. That means I get to write the part two of the continuing review kind of, I guess, for it that I started. <laughs> be going on forever. Anyway, we uh, this is Mashcast number 56. Chugging Woo! on food. And we're gonna start with what we've been playing. Nick, what have you uh, what have you been up to? Have you played I, more than one game this week? Uh, well, yes, but I'm not allowed to talk about that game. Um, but the other game I played, I did spend a a lot of time again with Mass Effect Two. I'm like this close to beating it again for the second time. The second playthrough is even better than the first. I, I think if you've only played through really pretty much any Bioware game, if you've only played it once and and not seen a lot of the different uh, you know changes that can happen with the different decisions you make. Uh, you're really selling yourself short on that. It's, it's. Uh, I'm having even more fun this time around. Yeah, especially when you go through the first time and you're just like, this is just what I want to do. And the next time you can kind of mess with it a little bit. Like you're not as tied to like, oh, I need to do this like the way I would do it. I guess. So it's yeah. nice to see like, and the choices, especially in Mass Effect, like echo all through. I, I just, especially playing through Tuchanka uh, with the as a renegade. That was probably one of the most fun planet experiences I've had. That really, that just yeah. felt it felt natural. Like that's where Shepard as a renegade belongs. Yeah, true. Tuchanka, you definitely. It, it's not as fun playing Paragon through Tuchanka as you would Renegade. I, I did a whole bunch of Renegade shit in Tuchanka just because because it fit yes. head button Krogan. And- <laughs> see, I'm doing a second playthrough as Renegade at some point when I get time. So I can experience it. I did some renegade things while I was there, but I didn't do like all of them. Like I was wanting to, but oh well. Yeah. Um, well, if that's it for you, Nick. Uh, what have you been up to, Mikey? Well, other than not paying attention to Walking Dead. I know, right? Uh, let's see. I've been playing League of Legends as always. Uh, I actually have not played a single fighting game all week. This upsets me. I really should go play one. But well, huh? I said, no wonder you're not feeling well. That's I know. Right? Well, when I'm sick, I try to avoid playing fighting games because then my lose streak will just like go high. Because I like I don't get that zen that a lot of people do. Apparently, when they get sick and they're just like awesome at it, I get like a bajillion times worse. So yeah, this I've was never your... gotten awesome at a fighting game because I was sick. I don't I don't think I've ever known anybody to do that. Really, I knew like a couple that like. I don't know. They just were able to like zone out more, but like, I guess mm. that's true. Couldn't you just get know. the same effect taking a lot of cold medicine? <laughs> yeah, I would think that like I've met a lot of people that are really, really good when they're drunk, but like not oh, anybody yeah. that's good when they're sick. So I don't the know. Whole maybe drunken kind of fighter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also it's the play. Same state. <laughs> I don't think it's the same state. Yeah, but I've met some good drunken fighters that like they they go to tournaments at bars and they'll seriously as the day goes on you'll start seeing them win more because they've had a lot more drinks <laughs> it's just funny like at the beginning of the tournament they might be in the losers bracket but then somehow they like win at the very end 
drunk, whatever. It works, I guess. But I did play one game that I felt was very fitting. I played uh, I played some Dr. Mario. Oh, Pop some nice. of those pills. Going back. Look at you. How, <laughs> did you, like, play, play it, or did you, like... No, just I sat like, there and just, like, it. solidly, like, played it for, like, three hours. Yeah, look at you. Yeah, I, you know. I just was like, I miss Dr. Mario. I love Dr. Mario. That, that was an awesome game. Yeah, simplicity, man. Simplicity of games. In fact, we're going to, I guess, be talking about that near the end of the MASHcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Rob, what else? you been playing? Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna move on. Um, oh, you, did you already say what you were playing? No, no, no. I was gonna move on to like to me. <laughs> I was gonna move on. Well, to I was, sorry, I, I figured it'd be weird for you to introduce. Like, well, I, I, uh, you know, never mind. We're gonna talk about what we've been playing, and what, what, we've, what we've been playing. I mean, what I've been playing, because who gives a fuck what you guys have been playing? Oh, <laughs> and I put the headset down and walk away and shame. See, exactly. That's why I don't do that. <laughs> that would be wrong. Um, same kind of the same stuff as always. Actually, uh, I'm playing Super Mario Kart because I'm addicted to that freaking game. Uh, I I just love the not only just the shoot, being good at a shooter doesn't make you good at that game, but just the tactics and like the psychology of how people behave in a game or like what people tend to do in, in certain situations. Like it's very strategic as well as just you know being like a third person shooter. Um, it's just fun. If you don't, if you haven't played it, go play it. It's frustrating at first, kind of like League of Legends or Dota. But after you get past that hump, you'll just be hooked. There's, there's yeah. nothing else to say about it really. Um, what else I've been playing? Uh, I'm messing with Lollipop Chainsaw some more. I just like the game. It's fun. Um, I would like for there, I, I would like for there to be a sequel where it's a little more, not standard action, but like. I guess some more mechanics and things of that nature, because there are some some points where you can where you get trapped with like cheap hits and things of that nature, and and they have like a heal mechanic like with the lollipops that like heals like half of your life, so you're never really in like too much danger. At least I haven't been so far. In fact, I've I've always have like five lollipops for the most part, but <laughs> it's just annoying to like have you know be right in a good flow of things and then have a zombie just power right through an attack and smack you, and it's like that's. Mm, I dislike you. Like, so is the combat not as like fluid, like as I don't know, a it's bayonetta. They cry or a bayonetta, but okay. it is, but it's better than average, like action, like hack and slash. See, I'm kind of looking for. I hate to say this, I'm actually kind of looking forward to Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. <laughs> just fucking <laughs> me. Just because it's platinum games, so it's probably gonna have a really good battle combat system the combat system the gameplay will be fine i think i think it's just the ridiculousness of whatever story comes out of that i'm looking well, yeah it's, ba- it's the, the bayonetta game. people how old how is it not going to be ridiculous well the, the fact that it shouldn't necessarily i mean like not that metal gear is not ridiculous metal gear is actually totally ridiculous i was about to say that's, that's otherwise it's crazy but it's ridiculous in a certain way like it, it has a point there's where a it's fat crazy. man on roller skates that wants to blow, blow up an oil rig in the second one the second one has all manner of problems, although I actually like it a lot more than most people. But anyway, let's, we're going off topic, sort yes. of. Actually, yeah. we're on topic. Let's move on, I guess. Um, what else? Uh, oh, I'll play Crater. The review will be up soon, I believe. Um, it's in for revision, so it's going to be up soon. Uh, Dungeon Crawler. It's 
it's impossible not to compare it to Diablo because Diablo came out and it exists in the same universe as Diablo and people waited 10 years for Diablo. So it's impossible not to say that like they're similar, but it really like there's not that much similarity between them except the fact that it's a dungeon crawler, but Crater's like really, really good. Um, it's only single player right now, which I know is going to be a turnoff for a lot of people. Like if they want to play the game, but for 15 bucks, like as it is right now, the single player alone is worth the the price of the mission. You know what you're describing to me, right? You're describing to me exactly what Torchlight 1 sounded like. But, Creator's going to have multiplayer added for free on July 10th. Mm. See, I don't have to wait for Torchlight 2. So basically, I don't have to wait for a sequel like Creator 2 or whatever for multiplayer. Exactly. Um, And in fact, like anything that you've done in single... (laughs) That's the thing, like anything you've done in single player is going to carry over to multiplayer. So you can use characters and stuff that you built up in, in single player already when the when multiplayer opens. So There's there's too many loot games out right now. There are. Coming. And, and all of them are going to get picked compared to Diablo. Although I think, uh, like, nope. overall I do think that Crater is probably a better game than Diablo. Diablo is shallow in a way. Like there's very little to that game. I think nostal- like nostalgia and anticipation have kind of like won out with that game a bit. I enjoy it. Like I played it, but like I never played the other two. But I there's not like there's not a whole lot there once you've played that game one time. Like except for building up a character some more. Even the loot's not really that much of a draw. I guess um, I'm kind of waiting until I get to Nightmare, the final difficulty before like. Like, once I finish a character off and I get to the final difficulty, if I want to play through it again, then I'll just... But honestly, between Diablo 3, Torchlight 2, and Borderlands 2, my looting is kind of... My loot time is kind of filled. That's true. Borderlands 2 is also going to be a loot game. I don't I don't really think of it in the same... Oh, I do. But that's... The others, though. I guess maybe just because of the difference in gameplay. Like, I'm not looking top-down, clicking on things all the time, so... I guess it's, it's just true. different to me. It's true, but anyways. But uh, it's, it was an excellent game. Uh, I really enjoyed my time with it. I'm going to keep playing it. I'm, I'm trying to convince friends that have Diablo that are like, oh, I've played through it, you know, three or four times, and I don't really have much else to do, and it's like, get Crater. <laughs> so, you know, it's out there. It's, it's awesome. And the review will be up shortly. So let's move on to the topics. Uh, first up, there was a bit of a leak so to speak, potentially, um, involving the Xbox, and I hate to say it, but it's what was actually in the document, the Xbox 720, which we've mostly been referring to as the next Xbox and things of that nature because 720 has never been an official name. It's a bullshit CEO thing, SEO thing that people made up, IGN. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, the document uh, covers a lot of ground, actually. Uh, it was a 56-page document um, and it actually lo- looks appears from the dates and things in it appears to be back from August 2010, um, and it covers just plans of Microsoft for the future. Um, I, there's you know the the services. It actually details Smart Glass, and I mean if you're talking 2010, this is two years before they announced it at E3 basically um, this year. They're going to have Blu-ray for the next system. They, are, they have plans to have a Connect 2 that's going to come bundled together with the system in 2013 for $299. Um, they even have a Connect Glasses project, which is supposed to come down the line. Like, not It's not supposed to come out right with the system or right with Connect 2, um, but it's supposed to come, down, come out down the line. And it's a lot like the Google Glass, uh, Project Glass, that 
they probably most everybody's probably seen at this point um but it's supposed to uh, they're supposed to be wi-fi or 4g enabled glasses that are kind of do a lot of augmented reality things and will work in concert with the connect Two. um they're calling it fortaleza or at least the document calls it fortaleza i should say uh and it's supposed to be around like two th- uh, 2014 when that comes out uh connect Two itself is supposed to be support up to four players uh have much better tracking, uh, have a better uh, camera, be able to differentiate you from your background or your, your living room, wherever you have it, better. Um, and that's really more or less it. And the, the plan is to, again, have a 10-year life cycle for the next system. Um, the only thing of, of any real note past the actual document itself is the fact that uh, not very long after it went up, the document was removed. It was hosted on Scribd. Uh, it's kind of like a paste bin type site where except it's more like uh, you can have like PDFs and things like that stored instead uh, but it was taken down at the request of Microsoft's uh, law firm uh, or not Microsoft specific law firm but one of Microsoft they, they're, Microsoft is one of their clients Covington and Burling LLP uh, requested that would be taken down and all Connect or all Microsoft really had to say on the matter is that we understand there's great interest and anticipation for what comes next for Xbox, and we're lucky to have customers who are so passionate about the platform. And then to connect or to IGN, uh, or actually, was it IGN? It's IGN. Yes, they said that we do not comment on rumors or speculation. So there's been yep. two different comments from them, but both kind of don't say much of anything. Um, I have my own thoughts on what this might be because there's been a lot of speculation in a lot of different ways about the document. Uh, but I want to get your guys take first. Who wants to, did anyone actually get the chance to see the document? Cause by the time I found these links, it was long gone. I've only seen some pages of it. I haven't seen the entire thing. I, when okay. it was, when it went up, I, I actually thought it was a hoax at first when it went up, like as far as the document itself, because the way it was being talked about by other, like, like, like gaming press people yeah uh like we're kind of laughing at it <laughs> because i guess some of the things in it are a little silly um not the least of which is the fact that it refers to the xbox as the 720 well you know I, I wonder about that though i mean if this is from 2010 maybe that's i mean everybody projects it to be the 720 because if you go from one to 360 it kind of makes sense iteratively oh, and right. so I, i'm thinking i don't even think that they're serious about the name I'm, i wouldn't I almost wonder if Durango wasn't even around as a as a code name at that point. Oh, I'm sure. That, uh, yeah. You know, uh, that's just sort of what they refer to it to. Yeah. Somebody also pointed out that um, in Real Steel, the movie, was friggin' Hugh Jackman robots, but Rock'em Sock'em robots, the movie. Um, in the background yeah. of one of the arena fights, they have like PlayStation Four, and there's also Xbox 720, which of course was like approved by Microsoft. So obviously, either they just maybe not more seriously thinking about it as a title for like the next game, but really more of like a joke, but it does kind of lend credence to the fact that like at one point, maybe that maybe that was a code name or maybe still is. And they don't want to talk about it. Who knows? Um, but I mean, there's been speculation whether or not the document's real or fake. What do you guys think about that? What about being real or fake? Yeah. Uh, I can't see. I don't, I don't know if it's real or fake because like, this is really just a projection of where they want to like go, right? Like none of this, like this is just like all the stuff where they want to be, like plans for the future. I mean, it's possible these could be plans for the future, but 
I mean, all of them seem pretty obvious, like using uh they just like how they were talking about the glass and then obviously a better version of connect you know more things like that that seemed like a more obvious thing to do for the xbox um for them for them to start talking about the glass though i mean this came after the press conference so what better way to make it look like look this was the plan all along than to say yeah but i slip something in there that you knew you know actually came to fruition so true. So was this document? Wait, it, was was this before or after E three? After. Okay, so we all, so everyone knew about the glass, right? Yes. And then, what makes someone not be able to slap two thousand ten on a document and say, "Oh, exactly. see, I knew." Exactly. Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. At first, I at first I was kind of of the camp that having not seen all of it, only seeing like like I think I've seen like maybe like fifteen pages of it or something because people have had it like in random places. But any place that had the full document was asked to take it down by their law firm as well. Um, I'm I was kind of of the mindset that it's a hoax, but now I think that much like you what you were saying, Mikey, that it's supposed to be like a roadmap that. I think that, especially being back in 2010, that it's concept. Like, I, I do think that it's real, but I don't think it's real in the sense that a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, this is everything they're doing." I think yeah. it's. I think a lot of the stuff that is not going to be relevant. <laughs> I, a yeah. lot of it, just because a few of the things on the list are like coming, you know, have come to fruition or are going to come to fruition. I don't think that means that everything in the document is real. I don't think it was a planned leak either. I think it. I, I got out accidentally because, and I think that's probably why it was taken down if it's fake i think you just don't comment on it like i, I well that's the, unfortunately they're there's being a way that it could go either way yeah they're being asked about it and they're they're fundamentally their answers are we're not commenting on it so right yeah. but but you also don't take it down in that in that sense either if it if well, it's not if it's not if it doesn't mean anything then you just don't the, well that doesn't mean it couldn't mean anything either because no, they might actually have been working on something like that Right. I mean, there's there. It could go two ways. You, you could either say that you know you take it down because it can negatively affect or may give people an impression of something that's not going to come to pass that you never even intended, yeah. or you know you it was a real thing that you were a real document, but you know what if fifty percent of it isn't honest. To be honest, to be honest, it's at. At this point with it, it's just like flip a coin and pick what side of the camp you're on. No one's going to really find out if this is real or fake or not. Well, I think it's it's interesting from a standpoint of like now you can kind of sit there with this and and take a look at what actually comes to pass and what doesn't. Because I think some of this stuff is really optimistic. I think the idea of having Connect 2 launch with the system in 2013. Yeah, no way. With like with the new version of the console at 299, unless it's like integrated in some way, I don't. See that I, happening. I, I expected it would be integrated though, because they're so in love with Connect right Where now. I? Why wouldn't Why wouldn't they put it in there? I'll admit the the price point. The price point is is, uh, is, is probably fiction, but <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, but that's I mean, a really but, optimistic but, I mean, price I, point. I'd be surprised if Connect Two or you know Connect Three Sixty or whatever the hell they call it isn't part of the system from launch. That 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 seems like a no brainer. Um, I'm just. I'm just I never really say, considered it before the document, but I I suppose that you could be correct in that case that like it it makes a lot of sense. You don't it's not even a, an option anymore if you include it with every system. Like if it's integrated with every system, then well, like oh well, you don't have a problem navigating your dashboard. You can't complain about it anymore. And look, everything is better with Connect. Everything exactly. 
right. it's it would be an obvious thing for Xbox to push Connect by establishing it in the next console to just force everyone to have it. That's I mean, but that's what goes back to my other plan of like saying if this document's real, like you agreed with me, it's probably just a plan. Like okay, what only they want to go. For. Only parts of it are actual, you know, mired in like this is what we're still doing. I think that a lot of parts of it are not going to be relevant, or you know, that the ideas may have changed since then. Um, all of it, like I mean, any way that you look at it, there's all all of them are reasons. Like whether it's fake, whether it's real, whether it's partially true, whether it's all true, or all reasons for them to have you know the law firm take it down anywhere that it's up. So, I it's an interesting glimpse at what may come to pass uh, there's a couple of things that are just kind of funny to me because i'm like oh really connect Two's going to support four people like how much fucking room am i going to need for that even if it is slightly better on space like how, how am i it's okay how? someone someone will come up with a, a device that makes it easier didn't nyko come up with a device that made it like simple to slap on the connect and then just make it to where the view was a bit shorter or whatever yeah, I guess, but I'm like, I, I'm gonna have to like play the goddamn thing outside now. Like, <laughs> a, a room, an empty room, just for your video games. Exactly, just for Connect. I mean, I don't have one of those already. No, I'm <laughs> um, but it's interesting. I really, in a way, I really hope they don't go with 720. But I could totally see them doing it because it does make a lot of sense in a lot of I ways. I want to see them go with 361. That would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, if or. I hope they don't do a 1080. That'd be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, whether or not you believe it's real or it's fake, there it is. Um, a lot of places still have a pieces of it, but nobody has the full document because it's been requested to be taken. If it, if it is fake, I want to know why somebody made it 56 pages. Because that, it adds to the realism of but it. That, but, that yep. just, that just, but it seems like, you know what, I'd say around like 40 I'm probably pretty good. I'm still going to get the same effect out of the number that I'm getting at 56. I feel the like that number, number is so many pages. Do you not remember in high school when you used to write more just to make it look better? <laughs> double space, double space. <laughs> yeah. I only did that like once. <laughs> and did it work? Yeah, actually it did. Okay, but... thank you. That's your guidepost. <laughs> yeah, it worked out one time. <laughs> worked out one time. No, but I, I don't know. It just it's it just seems like an insane amount of effort for for to troll the entire community. I don't know. Yeah, welcome to the, welcome to 2012. But that's that's part of the reason I started believing it. On top of like certain things in it, I started believing that it was that it, that it wasn't a fake or that it wasn't like an elaborate troll because it is an awful lot of work. Um but as much as, you know, you can look at the, all the information that's out there about it and kind of speculate yourself whether or not you believe it's, it's real or not. But much like the Xbox 720 document leak, uh, something else less, I guess, crazy, exciting maybe, um, in fact, maybe boring to a lot of people, uh, also started with a strange email. And that was a, a letter from Gabe Newell to and i'm usually really good with names so let's try this Giannis varifakis sounds good that sounds we're gonna go with it slightly dirty but okay <laughs> um it's a letter from gabe newell to to Giannis. um he is an academic economist and he's especially in light of everything that's going on in europe now um has been very much like 
in the in the conversation as far as uh, everything that's gone on with the their debt crisis. Uh, he's, he's from freaking Greece. That's like ground zero of the debt exactly. crisis over there. And that's, and that's part. And in fact, uh, he actually what they've done basically is they started a blog about economics um, and Valve's virtual economy, more or less. And this is actually uh, Verifox's blog. And he actually says that when he starts. He, he basically talks about how most of the time people just ignore economists altogether. Until something like bad happens, you know, like the the euro crisis, um, and basically because he was in Greece and he was an, an, an economist and, and certain viewpoints that he had, uh, Greece was ground zero, so it became very popular to talk to all of a sudden. So he actually almost deleted the email that he got from Gabe, um, but because of all the emails that he gets so he thought it was just a, he he didn't he doesn't know much about video games he's not he has he hasn't played a game since space invaders in 81 um and he's he's very upfront about his lack of video game knowledge but he says that you know he saw i'm the visit, president of a video game company www.valsoftware.com and he almost deleted it but some for whatever reason he kept reading it and he actually went through it and they they you know saw how Gabe was telling them how they, they've been following his blog and they basically, Valve's trying to link economies and two virtual environments. Like they want to sh- create a shared currency. Do, and do, then, do we know, do we know what games he's talking about or what economies he's talking about? Cause I don't think he says it in the letter, but do does, we have any idea? I don't, I don't know because there's, I mean, there's only a few possibilities if he's talking about specifically Valve products, but I, I think that he may mean, a larger like in, in a larger sense perhaps like kind of um i know like they've they've enabled trading between like um uh, in fact i don't know if it's even one of the games possibly but uh super money at combat they just enable trading uh on that game as well so you could trade things from like tf2 and other other valve products like between like uh, and products from that game between players and things so in a way, like it's kind of creating like a a virtual market for certain mm-hmm. things, um, and I don't I don't know if that's even what he's really referring to because it's less currency as far as trading goes and more just items, and that's kind of created by the player base in a sense. Um, but uh, so no, don't really know specifically. He never mentions, and neither does uh, Verifacus. Um, so he also was, you know, talking about the the fact that you know they were talking about uh, the he realized that when he was talking about balancing and it's it was basically kind of describing the issues going on in in Europe right now uh, so basically he he approached him instead of saying you know we could just try and make up stuff that we think that you would do he said we decided to come to you and ask you to do it instead so. Uh, so what he did was, uh, the, it, it actually, it, it was not even really so much of a, a specific business deal, but what they did was that he was already going to be going to the U S, um, on tour for, to promote a book and he was going to be in, in Seattle. So he stopped by Seattle basically for a day or two and ended up having a big huge conversation with every, all these different people from from Valve and now they're working on basically what Gabe you know set out to do in the first place uh, and 
Varoufakis is kind of, I guess, excited in a sense about the whole thing because he said, unlike real economies, for everything that's in the virtual economy, like for something of, you know, like a steam, it's all traceable. It's yes. there's always a back trail for everything that's it's done. So you always can look at exactly what really happened rather yes. than just kind of making up statistics and having mm-hmm. to guess about, you know, like, oh man, wouldn't the Great Depression have really happened without, you know, would have would it have gone on without the New Deal or whatever. Like that he he actually says that in a sense, like a lot of the statistics in a way is is more astronomy than science. You know, it's 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 almost you know like yeah. hocus pocus than it is you know real science, so this was kind of like a, a really interesting you know proposal for him just as an, an economist. So what they're doing now is uh, he's going to be having weekly reports on the projects and ideas and the things of the social economies. Um, he does make the point of mentioning, I think I thought it was pretty interesting that Valve is actually not the first people to do this. I think a lot of people would look at this and be like, Oh my God, Valve's always the first to do everything. Um, but actually Eve online, um, recruited and I'm not going to say his name at all because I can't, <laughs> but they recruited some, uh, an economist, um, to do their economy. And, We've seen how that's gone. Like Eve's got as has always been lauded as having like a, a really great economy or a really interesting economy that's in a sense like even, you know, like that echoes not echoes real life, you know, not specifically echoes what's going on in real life, but that like it's a living, breathing economy that's its own own beast at this point. Um at beyond the the constraints of, you know, what the game was initially intended for. So there's some interesting things that can come out of everything <laughs> as far as as this goes but uh just an interesting move on Val's part i guess i i love this i think i think just the, just i mean just as he points out that he can track every you know every transaction for, you know at any point you know throughout history for a given economy um you know I, I think the information that'll get him because i mean you talk about modern economics now and sort of what we're looking at and there's so many variables and there's variables that economists don't even know about that for them to start to be able to parse through it to, you know, it's what makes it so, you know, it, like it what makes it almost, you know, arcane. And I, I think this, this is great. It concerns me a little bit that they pulled him right out of Greece. Like maybe he should be focusing on that, but uh, yeah, it's the real world. Yeah. <laughs> it, it occurred to me, but you know, if that's, you could do both, I guess. I don't know. But no, uh, I'm interested to see what, where, where this will go. Like, I'm kind of curious how this will affect Dota 2 and its economy. That's um, true. Too. I didn't even think about Dota. Because free, to, it, I heard it's free to play from what yeah. I from what we understand. Uh, I remember, wasn't it? Gabe said they're working on it and it'll be released free to play once we figured it out. I'm almost hmm. wondering if maybe this has something to do with it. It's possible. Um, possible. I wonder how this might affect Team Fortress 2. We probably won't that much, but I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm just, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see how this will affect current Valve games, how it will affect Steam in general, and how it will affect Half-Life 3. No, I don't get, not Half-Life 3. Whatever. <laughs> I actually, just wanted to say Half-Life 3 to make sure people knew that I was still thinking about it. Everybody's um, thinking about it. It's, it's an unheard, unheard rule. Um, I think it's, an, I think it's more interesting in a sense to see that like, Here's a company that's actually going out and getting a real e- economist to do tests and and thing you know like 
to have discussion and think about the different ways and like the ways to make an economy work better because I think we hear a lot about microtransactions, free to play and and DLC and add-ons and things of that nature without any real consideration of what like a real economy is uh in terms of those specific games in terms of what players actually can spend in terms of what makes sense for players to spend like you know how do you value you know, a, a character for a game or a fighting game or something, if you value them at all to, you know, if you even charge a price for them at all to put them into a game. And I think it's interesting to see if maybe some other people adopt that that mindset and see if they can uh, get somebody on board that can really, like, give them a real direction. And maybe that's how you start getting things in a more reasonable price or prices that make more sense for oh, yeah. the real economy. I find this especially interesting because Gabe's been on record as saying he believes that there's like a price for every game for every gamer that that you know there's a right ideal price that you can you that every for every person it's different that you should be selling each game to them and I I think you know I, that's one of the things they're trying to work on with Steam is, is is getting it to a system where they can maximize that and I think this this definitely plays into that belief and and I think it'll be it'll be interesting not not even even within the game economies but just for Steam overall um, maybe this means more Steam sales. I don't know. <laughs> Certainly. We, yeah. I mean, maybe it'll even be affecting that. Um, but that's not the only thing that Valve is doing that is of interest. Um, yeah, actually, they, they're they using Portal 2. Um, teaching with boy. portals, actually. Yes. Uh, yes. Is what, they, what they've actually ended up calling the site. Um, but uh, basically what they're doing is they're releasing a... Uh, a limited beta and a limited Steam client with a tailored version of Portal 2 that has a level editor and workshops and, and basically teachers can use it to create learning programs um, for classrooms and, and they're going to be providing it for free uh, for things not just teaching like science and physics and things, although that that is kind of like a, I think one of the things that would jump to mind just based on Portal 2's gameplay, but it's also to deal with, you know, it's to deal with science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and at this point, it's going to be more of a, it, the beta is going to be more limited, I guess. It's going to be more within the constraints of sort of within Portal 2, 2's current framework, but there are plans to expand it even further so that they can open it up and have, you know, all sorts of different sorts of lesson plans and things of that nature. Um, and teachers will also have administrative access so they can control what levels get shared. So you can kind of have a collaborative effort amongst teachers to create learning programs based on games, this making a, games, a, teaching things. This is an amazing first step. Like if, if this is where it's starting with portal two, portal two could be like part of science class after a while and then I think what this could what uh I don't know, let's take if this is if this could if this idea branches off to other game formats, could you imagine being taught history in the form of I don't know, a total war game? Or Assassin's Creed three? All right. <sighs> or actually the Oregon Trail. Right. Actually, you know, if you probably went through Assassin's Creed 2 and you read every little thing, you probably well, you could learn, learn things so because it's all based on yeah, it's yeah. based on real real characters. Like there's they've made like certain changes, but pretty much everything that they as far as like the text and things of that nature of like to cover characters backgrounds is real. Like yeah. it's 
it's their real like the real things that happen like Ezio in reality like was was a real you know son but kind of just dropped off the map after like the other you know the the brothers and father were killed I know they've even said like especially for Assassin's Creed 3 that everybody that you kill in the game actually died in that time period like it's not like you're gonna go kill Ben Franklin or anything yeah you're not gonna yeah yeah so so I mean there there are some legitimate aspects to that but to get back to portal for a second yeah. i mean this this is awesome but on the other hand it's basically a it's a right now at least it's a glorified physics editor and those that software does exist i know schools have that right. I, I mean I, I mean this might be more engaging for kids because hey look it's, it's valve it's portal you know, I, I know both. this game it's more yeah i think it's more engaging but, than that sense. but as far as providing new tools i'm not sure if it it expands the the, the classroom beyond what's there i mean hopefully it makes it more engaging i'm curious though because they do they, they offer a sample physics plan and a sample math plan and 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 uh you know and those are all pretty straightforward you know like studying parabolas and gravity and whatnot i'm really curious to see the language language arts which they don't have yet um as far as wh- how portal can teach you english i guess i don't know it can fix cave the rat man's grammar that would be awesome <laughs> Yeah, a lot of different triggers and, you know, GLaDOS talking to you and things of that nature. Well, I guess potentially GLaDOS talking to you that, I don't know. I mean, there's, I could see inventive ways that they could they could go about that. But uh, I, I I agree. I think it's maybe limited in a certain way. But I'm, I, I think I'm more interested to see what happens when they open it up. And maybe that's when you see something that's really new, not just engaging because it's Portal 2, but like, you can actually provide something new for a classroom rather than something that's already really out there, but just maybe just not as popular, you know, not as well known, but it's a nice goodwill effort, I guess. Um, moving on though, we've got, uh, I guess more somber news in a way. Um, Seth Killian, who's been with Capcom now for quite a while. Um, on the 19th, I'm sorry, June 22nd um, is officially, but it, it, it came, obviously that's not until tomorrow when you guys will be listening to this. In fact, you'll be listening to it on his last day, but Seth Killian uh, will be leaving Capcom. Um, Maybe not such big news in terms of the video game world in general, but in terms of the fighting game community, this is like really huge, actually. Um, he's been like their kind of like Goodwill ambassador, you know, community focus guy uh for quite a while and he's leaving capcom to pursue he hasn't said what it is but he's leaving it to pursue something else um but he basically spends a lot of time just talking about like how he got into the fighting game scene and to capcom in general and then you know thanking a lot of the different people like onosan and and people that have been involved with him along the way like from capcom and then to the fighting game community at large um but really it's it's weird i mean like he 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 does like he's hopeful about the whole thing that you know that's it's still a very strong community and in fact he thinks it's stronger than when he when he you know came into it and it's stronger when he's leaving it which i think is i think is fair um but definitely the end of uh, an era of a sword's I'm guessing Mikey's gonna have a lot to say about this, so Not, well I really go ahead. didn't care. But oh, really? <laughs> oh. Like I never wow. like. Yeah, I'm just curious. Why is that? I just, I mean, it's bad to see. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he wasn't a good community leader. He was great. I mean, he got the community riled up. He was great for fighting game community, but I just, I don't know. I just don't. It. I'm not torn up about it. It's. 
it's a community leader, a big community leader leaving Capcom, going off to do something else. We don't even know what else he's doing. So it, uh, but I have a feeling I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm sure something it's game related. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not like, oh no, this is the last time I'll ever see Seth Killian again. No, no, it's I, not. I don't think it's yeah. so much that as much as like the fact that he's been so not like when you it's hear Seth Killian, you know who he's talking. Yeah. You know what, what's being talked about. Like, yeah. Not to say that like it's on the same level of hearing like Ono San, but like if you heard like you know Ono, I will. I mean, it's not like how I feel about when I heard Inafune, you know, leaving Capcom or getting right. fired oh, well, from Capcom. That's entirely different. Like exactly, I never made I mean, anything. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you can't you can't compare the guy who made Mega Man leaving to the guy who just runs the fighting game community. Come I on. I understand that, but it's just like. I, I, maybe it's because the fact that I just don't like Capcom fighting games. Okay, <laughs> I don't that's a fair know. reason. Uh, what, like, I guess I don't you know. know. I mean, it's sad, but I'm not torn up. I mean, I, w- I hope they, if he has a replacement, I hope the new guy is just as good. Or I just hope they don't try to do, it, like they don't they try to they don't try to do without some kind of fighting game community input because that's just it. It's not flying for Street Fighter Cross Tekken, so I'm pretty sure it's not going to fly much further if they try to do it again with any other fighter that, you know. So, we'll see. Maybe watch, watch them get Maximilian or something like that. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Even We'll see. <sighs> but, um, Nick yeah. Nick, <laughs> I, I I can't imagine that he'd be leaving the fighting game community altogether if, if he's no, as involved as his. That's why I'm not sort of torn up about it. But I, I wonder if, if this doesn't have anything to do with the, the little sexist kerfuffle that uh, or Capcom accidentally stirred up a few months ago. Oh. Sort of ultimate fallout from that. I think it's a bit far. I think it's a bit think, far out from that. And I think he, him, as in terms of just community management, has always, I mean, he's never, like, he's never really. I guess been perfect about answering questions about things. Like I know that there's been events where he's been shot hard questions and he doesn't, he doesn't shy away from answering them, but sometimes does kind of get kind of do that. Like, Oh, you know, crazy Japanese guys, what are you going to do with certain things? (laughs) But like he, but he's never really shot away from answering questions to a certain point. So in that sense, I mean like that's, it's pretty big as a community guy. So I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with the sexist thing. Maybe he doesn't like how they've handled certain things. Was but he let go or did he leave? He's he's leaving. Okay, so he wasn't let go. As far as as far as we know, I mean, okay. even if, if he was, I would understand if he was being let go because of the failure of Street Fighter Cross Tekken because they lost money on that. But I think after you, but after you talk about Marvel's Capcom and and Street Fighter Four and and how well those have done and how much that's really like reinvigorated the fighting game community in a in a sense that. I don't. I don't think that that's part of it, and th- and that's not really on him. I think if anybody were to like kind of bear the brunt for that, it would be like Onosan more than anybody else. Yeah, but Onosan's sick, so I mean they're not gonna. He hit. was sick and oh. overworked was kind of officially the cause. Um, actually, there was a big article on Eurogamer where they had an interview with him after, right after, like he came back from his illness. Oh yeah, it's, it's very interesting. If you haven't read that, go check it out. But. Uh, I'm surprised because Mike. I expected Mike to be like, "I got a whole thing to say about this," but you're just like, "Yep, okay, life goes on." If it, now, now, if it was Daisuke Ishua, oh, fuck, I, I can't ever pronounce his last name. Uh, the Guilty Gear music guy. Mm-hmm. Now, if he left uh, Arc System Works, oh my god, you'd be hearing so much from me because oh my, 
he makes the best fighting game music ever. Like the Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue, anything he touches music, it is amazing. Oh, I don't disagree. I mean, it's it's definitely been very different from most fighting game music. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's always going to be the case when there's like a creator that leaves, like you said, like, you know, Inafune leaving is a different thing than Seth Gillian leaving. I just think yeah. it it's very much like. Well, the only thing that make, the only thing I will say about this is that it'll be really sad if they don't have somebody else, because then that means there's no fighting game community face anymore. It's just corporate Capcom doing what corporate Capcom wants to do. I, I think they'd be silly not to. Yeah. Nick, you were. I was gonna say, can't the fighting community kind of self-appoint their own leader? I mean, if if, if it's a, I mean, just because one guy leaves, the community doesn't die. No, I mean, he's it's, not it's, dead. It's, but so, I mean, we don't. It, we don't have a face to go, but then Capcom's losing out on the fact of having like, well, we have this community guy that's well known, and he's here for y'all when we can't be. You know what I mean? Right. You don't get a corporate face; you get a person talking to you, which always helps. I mean, even Activision has, you know, yeah. One of Swords. You know, they they have him talking, and it's a person. Even as much as Activision is, you know, soulless entity. It's a person, so you feel like a different kind of way about it when you're talking to somebody. You know, Call of Duty had, you know, their, you know, their guy. Everybody's got somebody that's like a, yeah. a person heading up a thing. I think they'd be silly not to have another person. You know what? But it's I gonna bet, take that person time to get to that level where you're. I name bet. Is I bet if they pull anybody, it'll be Maximilian. I don't know if y'all have watched his videos, but I have. I've seen. I, his. I'm. I would put money if they were gonna get one. He'll probably be the next guy. I think they've probably already got people involved. Though. I mean, like Maximilian's popular, no doubt, but I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm just more interested to see what Seth Killian does after this because I'm sure it oh, will yeah. still be fighting game related. But uh, moving on to the next topic, we've got uh, we've got Sony now. Um, <laughs> Sony and their shit umbrella. <laughs> I love that I title. Not, I saw that and I was like, I are you not, serious? I did not know what to think because actually if you look at the title, the, the title of the article is uh, Sony on protecting studios and Vita's advantage over Wii U. Kind of a straightforward title, but the actual hyperlink says Sony's shit umbrella on protecting studios and Vita's advantage. And I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought too. And I was like... What do you do with a shit umbrella? I like, know I don't what that meant. I thought maybe they were calling Sony a shit umbrella. Like I didn't, I didn't know what the fuck it was supposed to mean. But what it actually refers to is one individual. Uh, Scott Rode is a Sony Worldwide Studios vice president, and his nickname is the shit umbrella because he's kind of like the go-between. Um, between like a lot of the first party studios and like you know upper like you know Sony corporate uh like the the actual PlayStation business itself and he he's basically the guy that kind of makes sure that first party studios are given autonomy to work on things at their own you know work on the things that they want to work on without having stuff forced on them he's saying that he says that basically you know there's not we're not going to do like they, they don't do what a lot of other places do where here's a bunch of check boxes that you have to tick off that everybody has to do these things no matter what effect it has in the games. You know, we're not going to make we don't make any of the studios despite any um, one of the things they point out is like a God of War Ascension. Um, they point out that actually, although it seems like one of those corporate initiatives to like have a checkbox where it's like, okay, well now we're going to force multiplayer into God of War, that that's not actually what happened uh, with the game, that it was actually had they had started working on that when God of War 3 was before God of War 3 was released. You know, he's not the first person to say that 
and it this really makes me interested in the God of War multiplayer. If if this is an actual initiative that, that the studio developed on their own, uh, it's actually it's almost like they keep saying, "Oh yeah, they actually did it." It's not a, it's not a checkbox. It makes it, I'm it's actually getting me hyped up for it. So good job marketing. I, will, I guess I don't know. Oh, well, I'm not gonna. We'll we'll talk about the multiplayer some other time, but. Yeah, well, there's there's some other things he says. Um, the other stuff that he really talks about, I mean, mostly like he's kind of just the go-between to make sure that things aren't forced on studios. And I think that you can see the effect of that just in general as far as like the things that first-party studios have produced for Sony. Like they have really strong first-party properties at this point. Um, and I don't think anybody can deny that. But the other thing he talks about, um, he talks about the Vita and the fact that it it has a lot of advantages over the Wii U. Um, as far as the tablet goes, not specifically the system versus system. That'd be actually. I, I think you could argue the Vita itself is probably better than the Wii U system at this point. And yeah, in a sense, I think he almost <laughs> is arguing that. But like, he's more specifically talking about Wii U's tablet versus the Vita. Um, and basically, he's kind of bringing up the fact that you know Vita, they, they they have a lot of things in the works and a lot of things that are happening with uh, Vita and PS3 cross compatibility, um, and that it can do a lot of things that the Wii U can't because as processor, you know, that it's it's its own full on system, whereas the Wii U tablet depends on the Wii U itself to, to provide everything that the tablet can do. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting, I guess, standpoint. So why isn't he comparing it to the 3DS? This is, like he's comparing a handheld to a console. Because he, he's comparing the, the, the interoperability between Vita and PS3 to the tablet and the Wii U. He's not, he's not comparing handheld to handheld in this sense. He's... he's yeah. He's basically talking about what it can do for the system, and he's saying that Vita can do more for the Wii U than the Wii, or more for the PS3 than the Wii U's tablet can do for the Wii Wii U. So it's an interesting conversation. I don't know if it's really one that. I, I mean, like you have to take it with a grain of salt because it's a guy from Sony talking about how much better a Sony thing is than a Wii thing, <laughs> than a Nintendo thing. So I always kind of take stuff like this with a grain of salt. Yeah, but well, fundamentally, at face value, it makes sense. I mean, the argument that that you've got an actual processor in there. I mean, we're talking already about the Wii U, you know, with its its low end comparatively to the 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 next gen, the other next gen consoles, graphics console or graphics card now having to support a TV and possibly two, uh, two two controllers, you know, versus you know you could you know you can bring as many Vitas as you want provided they provide the the the, the connectivity, and yeah. you never have to worry about overtaxing the, the PS4 because or the PS3 rather because the Vita. The Vita will work with it natively. It, it, it's got its own processor. It, it's fundamentally, it makes sense. Certainly, I mean, it does make a lot of sense on its face because I mean, I own a Vita and it it is wonderful. But I think the problem more it comes more in line, and the and the article actually does point it out with the fact that um, a Wii U, every Wii U is going to have a tablet. You know, it's it's going to t- come with a touchscreen gamepad. Uh, when three sixty gets smart glass. Most people own some sort of smartphone or tablet already, but the Vita only has 1.8 million consumers or owners of the system right now, and they can't even say how many PS3 owners also have it. Well, well, I mean, presumably, wouldn't the majority of Vita owners own a PS3? I think so, but still, yeah. you're only talking about 1.8 million consumers out of what the 20 well, or so but, million that have been sold. Plus, but, you got to think also that you would have to buy the PS3. Plus, you'd have to buy the Vita. While as the Wii U will just come instantly with the tablet. 
but right. I think you can you can argue though that it's worth the premium experience because you get so much more. I mean, you it's literally its own console, so it's not like you're you're tethered to the system, exactly. you know, even wirelessly. But but also, I, I think he's, he's sort of saying that that whole economy together. I mean, how much is a second tablet going to cost for the Wii? We don't even we, we don't even know, know that. Yet. In fact, I don't even know if they really confirm it's going to come with a tablet. I would I would assume so, but if like, it doesn't, that would be. Crazy. That would be amazingly stupid on the Wii U's part, but I mean, like, it they haven't they haven't said a lot of things about the Wii U yet. So, doesn't it come out like next year? Uh, this holiday. This oh, this year. <laughs> it probably came out last week, and they haven't even told anybody. Yeah, yet. Exactly, <laughs> it's just out there. Some guys like, hey, hey guys. <laughs> And um, stocks continue to plummet. Anyway, yes. no. <laughs> I mean it's an interesting like I guess like dichotomy because yeah the Vita is very powerful. It can do a lot of things. And I think you're gonna have a lot of interesting things that happen between being able to use it with the PS3. But I, I do think there is a point where you know it's hard to you know to say like this is so game changing. This is so much better when it, you do have to pay a premium price. So like, are you know the is the premium price worth that experience when well I can get this and it's almost as well, good. Well, well the the only thing I would say of it being worth the premium experience is not only do you get a device that also influences and betters your experience with your home console, it will also give you an experience away from your home console, further out from where the tablet could reach. Yeah. I mean, like they like to get like the isn't there supposed to be a dungeon crawler that you could or oh oh super all star place whatever the fuck that game is called stars. PlayStation all stars uh PlayStation it's all, gonna, all stars Life four I know little big planet uh, yeah all those games will be cross play so you can like yeah. play on your console and then play it on your PS Vita on the go so I mean you literally can carry it with you on the bus on a train. In the car, you can't carry that tablet with you in the car. It has to be tied to that console. So not only do you get to enhance your experience with the console, you get a device that you can carry wherever you go. So right. in that sense, I would throw, okay, it's a, it's a bit better for the price. Also, but then again, could- the screen is smaller too. Yeah, yes, but I mean, you, there's certain things you take in stride, and I mean, the screen is not by any sense. I mean, the OLED screen is gonna is probably, I would argue, maybe still better looking than what the tablet for the Wii U is gonna have. Oil OLED is, it's gorgeous looking. Oh yeah, I'm um, not doubting. I'm not. I've I've looked at a Vita at Best Buy very lovingly, wanting to take it home with me. So I know how beautiful those screens what, look. Yeah. What I um, think. What I think he's really undercutting here is that a lot of people are looking at the Wii U, and especially now that you've also got Microsoft with the smart glass, and right. there's it's sort of like they're they're presenting so you know, like they're like there are certain experiences that originally it was you could only have with the Wii U, and now it was like well now you can have the, with the Wii U and with the Xbox, and now basically he's saying like we don't want to be left out of that party as well just because they've both got you know secondary screens we've also got that so if you want to make a game that requires a second screen for whatever reason you can also you make it for it. a sony system and we'll provide the vita so that you can you can still have that experience yeah and i think in a sense too that it's almost silly to kind of say like you're paying a premium price because i mean at this point it's not like the playstation 3 is going to be a new system i if you if you're interested in that experience i think you more or less already have a PS3. So really, like, the Vita, if you don't have that, is the, is really the premium price. Not everybody has a PS3, but it's it's ubiquitous enough that it's not it, silly to assume that somebody it, might have it. You know, if, if you look at it that way, then, how much is the Vita again? Because it can't be... 250. Okay, 
yeah, so there's no way that the Wii U is coming out at that price. Oh, right. So, so yeah, oh, so if you look at it that way, would you rather buy a Wii U or a Vita? I think right. this is actually a Vita. pretty good selling point for the Vita. I kind of want a 3DS right now as well, though. <laughs> it's still certainly arguable, though, to say that, you know, like this next gen, we're, we're, we're doing better than this next gen thing. But I mean, like Microsoft already pulled the rug in front of them and, and Sony is just tugging it some more, too. So it's it's interesting in, in a sense um, to see where this ends up. I want to see a lot more games that are interoperable for I don't I don't want to see this be like a thing this year and we're going to talk about four games and then like there's nothing after that because that's it happened with the PSP before as well where there was a lot of talk about how you're going to use it with the PS PS3 and then there's like three games for all of PlayStation and the PSP's life cycle that have been able yeah to- but we higher- go ahead I was just going to say, we've seen Nintendo do the same thing with their, you know, DS interoperability with their various consoles. And I think that, uh, I think because now that you've got a console that is actually part of the, or a, a controller like that, that is actually part of the console, I think that's what's going to make it stick. I think Nintendo's sort of brought that. And, and you're going to see, uh, I think, continued connectivity emphasized going forward. You know, Nintendo's been trying to do this since the Game Boy Advance, right? Exactly. Exactly. Like, Force of so, Adventures, man. Uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. I yes. think would be the first try. Yeah. So yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see which one it actually, what thing actually ends up being better. You know, how much smart glass gets used, how how good the Wii U tablet is, how many games start being used for Vita and PS3. Um, we'll see where it goes, really. Yeah. Um, but. Moving on to the last topic, actually. Um, yeah. And speaking of Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've heard Just Warren Spector. Yeah, we've heard Warren Spector talk about uh, his concerns with act- ultraviolence in, in gaming and how it needs to stop. In fact, his direct quote was that, you know, uh, that the ultraviolence has to stop. We have to stop loving it. I just don't believe in the effects argument at all, but I do believe that we are fetishizing violence and now in some cases actually combining it with an adolescent approach to sexuality. I just think it's in bad taste. Ultimately, I think it will cause us trouble. Um, and that was just last week, I think, really, he made those remarks. Or actually, no, I'm, I'm sorry, it was right after E3. Um, which, two weeks now? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but basically Miyamoto has similar concerns. He doesn't put them in quite the same way, but he says that he's concerned about the industry's reliance on making games that are centered around guns all the time, that there's so many of those games all the time. And you know what um, they What's, what? They gave us bows instead. No, Sorry. Well played. Well played. <laughs> that's a Hunger Games Avengers thing, though. That's that's what that crap's all about. You know, you know, well, no, then we got Tomb Raider with bows. We got Crisis. With I know, bows. dude. That was it. Was the year of the bow? It wasn't even year of dubstep. Which, which game had a bow before any of those? The Legend of Zelda. Yep. Kid Icarus. Yep. There's so, also that. So, so didn't Act Razor have a bow? No, Act Razor had a sword. Oh wait, did he have a bow? That he could. I think he had a bow as well. I think it was one of the weapons. But whatever. I, don't I, just, I didn't anyway. get very far at Act Razor. I was just more about cutting things. Chop chop. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, um, but he's concerned, especially about because he and and it makes sense because he always has been. But he's really concerned, especially about the young generation of gamers, um, just how that really works in terms of interaction and playing with that. Uh, he he said that you know it's it's important to take it to to 
take in, take into account, you know, what people are buying for their children and you do have to be concerned about children when you're making certain, you know, games that their innocence just needs to be more variety so that parents can parents have to have be able to have a full grasp on what's going on. And it's kind of hard to I guess control that when every every game you see is a shooter of some sort. Or at least it feels that way. It's not really true, but it feels that way when you look at the mainstream if you a parent walking into GameStop. Like it's really I'm really I'm kind of sick of shooters. Like, is is that hard to, is that bad to say? Because I'm just kind of like, everything I'm, that I see that's like triple A or something like that, or that gets highly rated, it like has to have a gun in it. Or if it doesn't have a gun in it, it has to be some kind of highly stylized, amazing motif behind it. Well, I think that you should have an amazingly stylized, you know, motif. Right, but then it doesn't have a gun. And then I get Gears of War that has a gun, and I don't really see the, you know. Oh. I just, I, my concern is I don't think you're wrong for saying that you're tired of it or, you know, that you're bored with it. Like, I think the concern more of online to me is that there should just be more variety. And there are plenty, there is plenty of variety, but I think that it's easy to, to make that, distinction that if you're talking mainstream like if a parent walks into a target or best buy or something like that and looking for a game for their kids that there is an over overwhelming amount and it's the market i mean it really is the market but there's an overwhelming amount of, of fetishizing of war and violence and everything's got a gun in it you know there is there's there is a lot of it uh i mean like if you look at indies and stuff like that i mean like you know you, you see a lot of guns in indie games but indie games are definitely a lot different in that standpoint that there's there is a lot more variety there and I think that's where you get you know your differences about the industry you know from what the the mainstream of the industry is kind of relying on right now which is the military complex sort of um but I, I mean I think it's like a valid concern I, I like that he wasn't so much like oh my god like we're so in love with violence it was just more like from a design standpoint like why does every game have to have a gun in it I think I appreciate that a little bit more than Spectre kind of being like, oh my Jesus, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. I'm also making this great game that doesn't have guns, guys. Well, neither <laughs> does Miyamoto, though. No, he doesn't no, but, make any gun games. No, but 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 if, you the, the, if you read the article with, with, with the interview with Warren Spector, he basically turns around right after he like makes that statement and says, look, I'm making Disney, and it's Epic Mickey. You know, working yeah, with Disney. Yeah. yeah, but in a way, but, me, but Spector's made games with guns before, and so for him, I think it stings a little bit more. It's almost like he was part of that culture, and he's turned on it, and now he has to intentionally push something that is counter to that whereas this is what Miyamoto's always done i mean if you think about sort of the the, the growth of gamers they start off playing his games they start with mario they start with zelda so some of the you know the the purer gaming experiences that aren't so visceral and aren't aren't so violent and then once they hit puberty that's when they start playing call of duty so i mean <laughs> for him for, for him to be worried about so when he says who's you know like who's worried about the children he is that's that's his niche he's basically highlighting exactly what he's done for the in- industry and, and where he is and when you think of parents going into a best buy looking for games for their kids at this point parents grew up playing super mario brothers they know exactly what they're getting when they buy that for their kids i think i think it's it's sort of a sweet spot that he, he's worked himself into I, I i mean he can lament about the rest of the industry but he's sort of the the the, the one pillar that that, that provides the support for 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 the children oh yeah he's yep. been the he's like the grandfather of you know in you a know sense of the yes. of young you know the younger generation's games basically you know, 
you know what company this makes me miss a little bit, but then realize that later, their later games really sucked hard, so now you realize why they're gone. Uh, and s- rare, like old school rare games. Oh, rare! Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say rare. Like Banjo, like I mean, Banjo Kazooie. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I miss old rare because I used to make stuff like Banjo Kazooie, uh, Diddy Kong Racing. But at the same Donkey time, Kong Country. Rare also made Conker's Bad for yes. Day. Yes. Yeah, but that means they can develop both. I mean, if anything, that should mean that like companies don't need to develop just one type. You can develop multiple types. Right, but we've all we've always seen that like I mean, and I think that's why indie games are kind of the salvation in this in this particular kind of discussion. Yeah, but but oh, I'm just, but oh, let me finish. <laughs> like, I think indie games is the savior in this particular type of discussion. But we've already talked about and 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 we already know that. There is a certain reticence to having a difference, you know, like to having having that variety. It you sell what already you sell what sells, and when you get into the habit of selling what already sells, you sell the same thing over and over again. So that it becomes very much about about war games and you know whatever's popular at that moment. It takes somebody completely breaking a paradigm in order to get away from something like that. But, but you know, if, if, if there's a sense of fatigue that I think Mikey highlighted with fighting games, that that's sort of all that's being pushed down our throats, and even then we're getting these little sort of bursts of anti-violence commentary rising up around, it almost seems like we've got this set paradigm that is just waiting to be shattered. And whatever that next idea comes through, and Lord knows if I knew what it was, I'd be doing it right now. Whatever that comes through, I think it, it, it's it's going to just make everything awesome. We'll have something completely different to talk about. But right now, we don't have that yet, and so we're kind of stuck you know, with, with shooters. But then won't we be talking about the, the other thing the same way in five years when we're like, God, yeah, man, yeah, why that's, that's everything? Well, we've done that. Like, that's like, what's happening. What happened to Guitar Hero? Guitar Hero was our shooter replacement for the longest time, and now we were all got sick of Guitar Hero. So now we're yeah. back to shooters. Right? Why does everything gotta have yellow and green, and blue keys on? Oh my it? god! I mean, like, but seriously, I mean, it's, it is the kind of what we do. But I, I think that it it's a much more valid concern when you're talking about violence because it's always going to be, especially in America, like we feel a certain kind of we like actually we're pretty okay with violence and we got a lot of problems with sex. Yeah. But, you know, like, so I think that's why it kind of just flies under the radar. Actually, there's something really interesting I read uh, about, well, I guess three three weeks ago, about a month ago, maybe, and um, on Kotaku, and it was actually an article about what the games that we're making now say about us as a, as a society, and that basically the the assertion of the article was that, like, kind of like, you know, in the in the 50s when you, and, and different eras when you had like, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and people worrying about McCarthyism and things of that nature uh, and, you know, the Red Menace and all that, that basically what games say about us now is that we're scared. And, you know, we, there's a tendency to think of, you know, like guns as protection and you think about the military and, you know, zombie apocalypses and all that and, and all the, the things that we keep seeing. We keep seeing these recurring themes and they basically just mean that we're scared. I think that when you talk about a Mario or even a Mega Man, you know, as much as that is still shooting, but, you know, it's more lighthearted. You know, you talk about Zelda and stuff that you're talking about kind of like a more innocent time, like a more carefree time when you didn't, you know, everything post 2000, you know, post 2001 has been very much, yeah, even more so than before it. Very, very much centered on like military shooters, things of that nature. Um, not only just because they're relevant, but because you know but, they do but, say something about 
I wonder, though, how much of that, though, is related to the fact that the technology has advanced. You can do a realistic shooter now that you couldn't do back in the 80s. And so if, if fundamentally, I think part of games is to make a realistic experience, we can't make a realistic dragon game because there's no dragons. Yeah, um, but, but we, we, well, we know shooters. We have actual, you know, war is real, unfortunately, and we can emulate a real experience, whereas we're not, otherwise we're, we're just spitballing, making stuff up. But no, then tell, I, tell that to somebody. Tell that to somebody playing Skyrim. Tell yeah, that to somebody like, playing Rayman. I don't. I don't want to have realism in my fantasy, and that's why I play video games. I play video games not to jump into a real life combat scenario. That's stressful as heck. But you said, why you would said, I want to throw myself? So you're, I don't think you're the target for this. Right. <laughs> for that, yeah. For what's what's popular right now. But I mean, I mean, I, it's weird because I do enjoy shooters to a certain extent, but there is fatigue. There is that like, oh, it's another shooter. You know, I look at Spec Ops. I played Spec Ops at, at PAX and it's like, yeah, this isn't like a bad game, like as far as gameplay goes, but it's just another shooter. Like, that's how I felt about it walking away from it. You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't great. But it was just another shooter. And that that fact that little piece right there is what made me just i don't don't care you know it's just another shooter it's you know trying to be gritty edgy realistic and i think maybe uh, and I'm, maybe the, maybe you're right in terms of like technology changing that there was always that 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 time frame where because it's possible to make things more realistic that that's what you do and then when you make things realistic then you make them more gritty and edgy and kind of like comics in the 90s i yes, guess yeah um the so I mean like I think it's a phase that you know like this this two will pass at some point but when I mean I think that the fact that maybe designers are speaking out about it even though in this case like it's two people who like one guy who's shocking kind of shocking his his kid friendly game and then another guy whose whole career has been kid friendly games that you know maybe other voices start t- speaking out about it because the change only happens with the designers. You know, the, the people who make the games are the only one who can, as much as we may lament about it, as much as we may say we're tired of shooters, those are the guys that change. Now, so it's not even the designers, it's the publishers, because they hire the designers. They've got right. to agree to make a game that's not a shooter. I'm saying if the minute Valve starts saying things like this, then we got to get worried. I don't think I have to get worried. I think that it... Well, no, it's just there's a, that's, that's a sign that the times need to change. I think the times need to change anyway. I think a lot of people already think that. I don't think that you need a specific... I mean, I think people already have a mindset. I'm just saying that, like, to get them to change, it requires something else. Like, it requires people inside the industry to really buckle down and be like, yeah, you know what? Let's do something different now. Yeah. I mean, I think publishers are part of it, That, but that's why I say that I think indies are, are going to be part of the reason that that ends up changing. You know, that... You don't necessarily need a publisher when you're developing the game yourself. And then once an indie game gets stupid, ridiculous, crazy popular, then publishers will be like, oh my god, that's the new thing. And then, you know, the, the tide kind of moves on, in a sense. You know, so, we've, even, yeah. we've even kind of seen Miyamoto do that himself, where he said he wished he had created Angry Birds. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That is true, too. I think it's just somebody appreciating somebody else's work in that oh, case. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, man, I wish I thought of that. That's that's so simple, <laughs> and yet and yet so good." Well, Westy, if you saw Angry Birds and somebody told you Miyamoto made that, 
it wouldn't shock you. You'd no. be like, oh yeah, this it kind of you know it feels like it's one of his games. The, sort of the intuitive use of the the interface and the the, the well cutesy yeah. graphics, but yeah. So yeah, yeah, interesting discussion as always. I mean, it's 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 a discussion I think we'll keep we'll keep hearing and keep talking about over time because yeah. I think it's going to be on people's minds as long as. There's right it's, now that you know, as long as there's military shooters going on, and we know they're still coming, so lots of them every day. Yep. So that's gonna wrap us on topics for today. Um, what do we have coming out? Um, actually, next week is kind of a big week. Actually, um, we've got Amazing Spider-Man coming out uh, ahead of the the movie coming out on July third. Cool. Which- spoil the movie with the game. Actually, I don't think it's supposed. I don't think it's supposed to be that related. Like, there's as oh, really? going on. Yeah, it's kind of like it's. It's actually almost like the the old like. Uh, it's it's open world Spider-Man game again. So anybody who's been looking for that, like, there you go. <laughs> Happy haven't, birthday! Haven't uh, they all been like that since Spider-Man Two, the movie mm-hmm. game? No, really? They stopped for a while. The last two, three, um, Edge of Time, Shattered Dimensions, like those have not been open world at all. Uh-huh. Um, I think. I don't remember if there was one before that, but like, yeah, they stopped that after, uh, after like the movies more or less. Um, but this one very much is like Spider-Man two. I actually got a chance to play it. Um, they had like kind of like a demonstration day outside of a Walmart. They had a wacky waving inflatable arm tube Spider-Man. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, that's oh, awesome. Yes. And I went over there and I was like, Oh, they're letting people play the game. Like, cause I never go to Walmart, but like, we just happened to be like in a shopping center. And I was like, what is that? So we went over there and tried it out. I liked it. Like it's definitely like it's a lot. The camera's a lot closer to Spider-Man, um, in a sense, like in over the shoulder. So it makes everything look a lot faster. So if you got a weak stomach, maybe you shouldn't play it. But it's not very hard to control. Like it still controls like the other ones that you can stop random crimes in the city. There's you know different story missions, but there's it's more than just the movie. You know the mo- the movie storyline. So I, I'm looking forward to that just because I like I always like just swinging around New York and. Stop Everyone, I mean, it's hard not to. I've, I've, I'll admit, when Spider-Man Two, the movie game, first came out like a long time ago, and that was, you know, it was a pretty good. That was like one of the first movie games I thought was actually pretty decent. Yeah, no, no yeah. definitely, especially because when you can kind of stretch the definition of movie game and not make yeah. it so much based on a movie that, yeah, that's it, you get a, you can get a good, pretty good experience out of it. Yeah. Um, speaking of Spec Ops, like I mentioned that in the last topic, uh, that is also out on the twenty-sixth. Um, it's not a bad game. If you if you're really hard up for another shooter, I don't know why you would be. It it'll be okay. <laughs> That's all. It'll I can be say. okay. It'll, it'll be all right. Turn. It's okay. It'll be all right. Um, there's also I I think it's still coming out, but Darksiders two. Is that is that really already coming out? I I I know that they've been kicking up um advertising for it, but I mean I didn't think it was that that close. I thought it was uh, still a ways off. Okay. I thought it wasn't until like October or something, but I don't know. I thought I figured they'd wait till like near the end of the like September, August, but all right. Yeah, that's what I had down for a date, but let me see here. Mm. Actually, no. I, actually, no. It's it's been pushed off a few well a month or so. It's it's August actually now. So oh, okay. That's what I thought. A little bit. I, yeah, I thought it was just a little too close. I was like, really? Already? Like I didn't think so. But okay. So no Dark Siders too. But you do have Spec Ops and you got Spider Man, and uh, also Lego Batman Two, uh, DC Superheroes, which actually I've been hearing a lot of good things about. But mm, always hear good Lego things about Lego games. Lego games are always like, they're always like you you like it just seems like it's a good buy. I don't know why, but like. Lego games seem to be fun. 
You can just they, pick it up, play it. It's like craft, okay. they, they they do well crafted games, and and Legos just fun in general from a you know nostalgia standpoint. But they do fun things with the actual game itself that makes it interesting for all ages. So see, yeah. not everything is a military shooter. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, but uh, that's really it. I don't think there's anything else. I mean, that was. I mean, it's a bigger week than we've had, but not necessarily a huge week of games. We're not, we're not going to talk about Dead Island Game of the Year edition. No. <laughs> no, I gave go fuck itself. <laughs> it came out, it was so no, good. No, I like it. I mean, I played it and I liked it, but I just don't want to play it anymore. So you don't like it that much? <laughs> you just well, like I gave it a four, so that says something about it. <laughs> but I'm done with it, so meh. All right, but um, so that's that's the games coming up. Uh, as always, uh, you can find us in a multitude of different places. Um, if you're listening to us, you're probably listening to us on Sound, SoundCloud.com uh, slash Master's Buttons or perhaps iTunes. Um, or you may also be listening to us on Stitcher Smart Radio, uh, which instantly available. It's streaming and it, it works really great on mobile devices, you know, iPad, iPhone, Android devices. Um, I've mentioned before, but I've listened to the podcast when I was on vacation before and works really good. Uh, even driving, just no, no Wi-Fi or anything, just listening to it on 3G. It's good. Um, you can also find us on twitter.com slash MTV site and facebook.com slash masters buttons. Um, and of course, masters buttons.com her derp <laughs> where we have, we always have reviews, uh, you know, interesting articles. Nick always has his wow thoughts up uh, each week. His wow thoughts. Yeah, thoughts about WoW. It's, I mean, the people still love WoW, and Nick Nick always has something interesting to say about them. I don't even play WoW, and I read his articles every week. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um. So you know, there's a lot of things uh, on the horizon, and you know, already currently going on. So you know, give us a like or follow us on Twitter, and you know, stay in the loop. Uh, that is going to wrap things up for us today for Matchcast number fifty six. Cool. Guys. Oh. Have, a, have a good weekend. Brains. We're going to close the same way. <laughs> Brains. He's consistent at least. It's true. See you guys. See you. Brains. Brains.